Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Hello, I'm Lila. I'm an alcoholic. Hello, um, It's good to be here. It's good to get out of the house. I have a five-month-old baby, so I don't get out after dark anymore, <laughs> and then I'm up all night, so it's great. Um, <laughs> I uh, Let's see, I got sober um, July 16, 2009, so I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary here pretty soon, but it hasn't happened yet. Um and I actually have, I was just thinking, I have spoken at this meeting like many, many years ago and at the other location and the main speaker was a professional comedian and I just felt like, um, <laughs> I just felt so inadequate, you know, and I even said like I was convinced that everyone was judging me, but like I... You know, here's how far I've come. Like, I'm convinced that everyone's, like, thinking about themselves right now. So they could, they're probably not going to remember what I even said anyways. So, anyways, uh, it's been a journey. I, and it's crazy. Like, right now, I don't do AA as much as I did before, probably when I spoke before. Um, when I first started a, coming into the rooms, I was like you know, a little slow to start, but then I came all the time. Like it was my, my hobby. It was my social life. It was everything to me. Um, and you know, through the years, like I would kind of look at it as a long-term relationship. You know, we, uh, there was like the honeymoon phase, then you fight and break up and then you get back together and that's just how, you know, AA has been for me, um, the ebb and flow. I know there's some people that, like, couldn't survive without a meeting uh, every couple days. Um, and I definitely, you know, used to go to, like, three meetings a week at least. Um, and now it's more like one a week if I'm lucky. And that has a lot to do with having a baby. Um, but, the you know, it's like the luxury problems that I have now that, um, that I get to have now because of AA. Like I, I, uh, came into AA, I had a DUI, I was really depressed. My therapist told me to come, um, or suggested it, I guess. And, uh, I could not keep a relationship alive, like a boyfriend or, uh, you know, my friendships were in tatters and, um, and like AA for me, you know, it just helped rebuild my life. I, um, still, still deal with like a certain amount of depression issues. And that is kind of an outside, outside issue that I get outside help for when I need it. Um, but I have found a lot of, uh, I've found a lot of life in AA that I didn't think I would be finding when I first got, when I was 22 years old and I was, um, 
thinking that like my life was pretty much over because I had to stop drinking. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm really lucky to be an alcoholic. I know it's kind of sounds stupid, but uh, I actually have a program of Alcoholics Anonymous that I can rely on that other people don't necessarily get to do. Um, I get to be sober. I get to, you know, live and, you know, I've like, when I was, uh, first came in, I was getting kicked out of school, college. I was on academic probation and because of AA, I was able to like graduate college and, you know, eventually I got married and now I have this beautiful baby and I, it was just like such a shit show before. And, um, yeah, I just wouldn't have the life that I would have, um, had it not been for AA. And, um, and just like the fact that I've kept coming back and tried not to put too much judgment on myself, um, you know, in the meantime, I guess throughout the years, like, you know, sometimes it's a lot, I'm coming a lot, sometimes I'm not. Um, and the great thing is like AA is always here and the steps are always ready for you to work. <laughs> and, um, I have a sponsor to this. Thank you. I have a sponsor, um, that I work with and, uh, you know, it's been really hard, like throughout my sobriety to continually work with a sponsor. But I think that is where like the progress comes is from, is from really pushing myself into discomfort through the steps. Um, and like one thing that was really big that happened in my sobriety is that my, my mom, um, she is some sort of alcoholic to be determined, I guess, but she, uh, she had a liver transplant when I was sober and I got to show up for her. And that was just really hard. You know, I definitely, I wasn't raised by my mom because she's some sort of alcoholic and, um, and to show up for someone that, you know, you have like very mixed feelings about and the, the fact that she might die, it was really, it was a really rough time in my life, but, you know, AA actually really helped me, um, have perspective on that and being able to speak with other people that are, um, you know, have like alcoholic tendencies around everything. Cause like for me, no longer was I thinking that I was going to be drinking, like wanting to drink, but I wanted to control everything about the situation and, um, and it was just a, it was a really, really hard time for me. So the letting go of control and, um, and just, you know, giving, giving it up to a higher power, even though I'm not, I'm not the best with my higher power. Like I, I tend to not really think about it. Um, and it's more like last, res last resort, like when I got my DUI, I was like, please, God, don't, like, don't let me get arrested. <laughs> that was like, you know, my first thought was like, pray to God that I don't get a DUI. I got one. Um, and it was just like the, the demoralizing aspect of being an alcoholic is really what helped push me into 
um, getting like honest with myself in the steps and like shedding the secrecy of, um, of being an alcoholic. Cause like this, the, it's like the secrets can, will make you sick. Like, I feel that's so true for myself. I'm really, I always like, I'm, I'm a Scorpio. So I'm like really secretive, but like, it's really like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm ashamed of my actions. A lot of times I tend to like, you know, even, even now, like I'll lash out and then feel bad about it. Um, and like those, that, part like the shame of living is what will get me to drink again and that is what it's like the steps help to shine a light on all of that and and then to talk about it with someone else that they're like oh yeah that's you know I've done that too or you know laughing about it like the things that we laugh about in AA it's it's a like outside of AA, it's not really funny, <laughs> but here it's, it's like, we've all done something like uh, some shade of that. So, um, yeah, I just, I am really grateful to be here and, uh, I am, yeah, I'm, I'm rusty. I feel like, I feel like I'm new again cause I haven't been to meetings in a while, but, um, it's so weird, you know, like God works in mysterious ways. I got asked to speak here and I also got asked to speak tomorrow morning at Out of the Fog, um, which I just started going to and uh, again after having my baby and like it's just, you know, uh, AA just pops up when you need it and it's always there. Like we're so lucky to be in the Bay Area and have so much access to AA um, or I feel very lucky and uh Anyways, uh, it's, it's kind of like, uh, shoots and ladders, I guess. Like you go up, you slide back down, go back up. Um, and that's, that's been AA for me. Like, and the cool thing is like, I just haven't drank for almost 10 years and that's pretty cool. Like I have a good life now. I have a, a husband that loves me and we have a great, like, good relationship that's tested by this child, like to the max, <laughs> like, like it was this a good idea that we got married and like had this baby. Um, but <laughs> it's just, it's like, you know, I haven't slept through the night in like five months. So that's probably <laughs> what it is. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, you know, life is crazy like that. I never thought I would be, um, be here in this, in the situation that I'm in and like actually be happy to be alive and not feel shame and regret all the time. So anyways, thank you. Joel, I'm alcoholic. And just sitting here how I wanted to start. And I think Chris, so sorry for your loss, man. Um, we're here for you. You don't have to do it alone. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I am Joel Alcoholic. I have a sobriety date. September 5th, 2001. Um, I have a home group. It's traditionally men's single topic, but I've been traveling a lot for work, so it's 
Lately, I feel it's been Dr. Bob's Nightmares, Saturday morning, both of them are men's group. You could say I sort of hide out in men's group AA right now. Um, but it's been the backbone of my sobriety. Both those meetings have been super important to me. Uh, let's see here. Um, experience, strength, and hope. 40 minutes is a long time, so I sort of feel like after five minutes, this is all horseshit, so <laughs> pick your five minutes wisely. Um, the beginning, you know, is not necessarily drunkalog, but, you know, the what happened. So maybe that's the horseshit part. I don't know. Um, I won't bore you with the beginning, but where my drinking took me, it was fun for a long time, and then it was fun with problems, and then it was just problems. And I thought I was having fun much longer than the folks I was drinking with. <laughs> they identified the problems early, or much earlier than I did. Um, I was a smart-ass guy who got wasted and liked to start fights, and this problem is that I'm not a good fighter. <laughs> and uh, so I got beat up a lot. I would wake up with cuts and bruises quite frequently, and I don't, to me, that was just like a normal night and kind of fun and funny to sort of piece together what had happened because I blacked out a lot. Uh, I was a bedwetter, a, a a habitual bedwetter. Um, I mean, remember my my roommates at the time cut out this cartoon and like made a its, its own caption, and it was said Joel hitting the streets and soaking the sheets. <laughs> and I would like put my bed up on its on its side and put a fan on it so the pee would, and then sleep on the other side and like piss that side too. So. That's, that's the kind of fun I had. Um, uh, just to, like, I, I like to tell a funny story about drinking just so people identify and, like, come along this, you know, journey, story with me. So uh, I was, I studied biology, and for Halloween, I made my own virus costume, and um, I used this material called great stuff. It's like the spray insulation. And I had this big like geodesic dome type thing on my head with a helmet in there. And I wore that with some, uh, spider leg things and got wasted and blacked out. And this, this stuff was like leaking all over. And if you read the can, it says extremely flammable and it like got all over the kitchen floor and it was like sticky and people were walking on it and some dude dropped a cigarette and like the kitchen floor started fire and then my pants started on fire and um i woke up the next day naked and my costume was missing and just was like oh okay and i went to that same party the next year a much easier costume was george bush the first george bush and people were like, hey, you were the guy on fire. Uh, you got me confused, and I would walk around, and this was a theme, and people were like, you're the guy burning. And I, like, <laughs> and I the host of the party, who was I went to college with, and we were in the same class together, and I was like, hey, Mark, dude, was I on fire last year? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was fucking crazy. And I said, well... 
why didn't you tell me? He's like, I didn't think I had to. Like, you're the fucker on fire. And uh, so that was like, that was fun, right? That was, that, you know, what ended up happening was I would, you know, start fights and people got sick of fighting with me. And, and if I couldn't find a fight, I'd just fight my friends. And uh, when I left, I did a geographic from uh, Milwaukee to a trailer in Bozeman, Montana, and uh, no one was sad to see me go. I miraculously graduated college. Um, I, it took me seven years to graduate, but I finally did it. And um, when I arrived in Bozeman, I knew I had a problem, and I didn't really know what to do. So I would just go to the liquor store, buy a bottle, and snowboard all day, and drink all night. And when the guy I was staying with was like, you drink a lot, I would just, my solution was to hide the bottles in the dumpster because I didn't want him to see what I was consuming. And, you know, what happened, I did another geographic, and I was living in Salt Lake City, and I basically was drinking alone. I had no one to fight, and I didn't leave the apartment. Booze is weird in Salt Lake, so I would make booze runs to Wyoming and load up on what I think would last me for two weeks and would, like, run out in less than a week. And I had this weird, like, partitioning scheme of, like, okay, I only drink this much. And that never fucking worked. I was constantly recalculating. And um, it turned out a couple people I worked with were in the program. And I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was trying to quit. And I, what my plan was this, I had a high school friend who was also had problem with booze and alcohol and we would call each other every day and like check in and that worked for a week. And then I got hammered. And the next day I had this work event and everyone's drinking except, and I was like, I'm going to stop. So I'm at this event and someone realized that I'm not drinking and they're like, Oh, you don't drink. I'm like, well, not today. And they're like, Oh, are you trying to stop? And like, they're asking fucked up questions. <laughs> and I was just, and that guy, uh, turned out he was sober 10 years and he eventually became my sponsor. And, uh, he took me through the steps and like we can spot other alcoholics really, really well. I, you know, I think I'm hiding from, from everyone. And really, um, we stick out like sore thumbs and I, you know, I think I'm clever. I am not clever at all. Um, so that guy took me through the steps and man, I, I still, I still talk to him every once in a while. Um, he disappeared for a while and he had heart surgery and went out on painkillers at like 15 years. And, you know, this was my sponsor. It fucked me up. Like, he was, you know, I put him on a pedestal. And what I learned was there are no fucking pedestals in here. You know, we, we all are sober today. Some of us have been around a little bit longer than others. Some of us have worked the steps more than others. Some of us are healthier today than others. 
And really the key is that we're not all fucked up on the same day. And there are going to be days where I step up for my friends and there are going to be days where they step up for me. Um, I got sober in this little men's group and there was this really intimidating, it was in Park City, Utah, this intimidating cowboy who, he was like 60, I was 26 and uh, his name was Lee and I was definitely afraid of him. He wore a cowboy hat, he drove a truck, he definitely had guns in his truck and he, I would not be friends with him at all. And, but, you know, he was part of this little 10-man group. And I really, you know, I looked up to this guy. He had like 30 years sober, something ridiculous that I couldn't relate to. And the way we started that meeting was um, we would ask the question, did anyone feel like taking a drink today? And most of the time it was like this, a silent. No one would say anything. And then we'd go on and read the steps or do whatever we're going to do in that meeting. Um, but this day, the guy with 30 years sober raised his hand. He's like, yeah, I fucking wanted a drink today. And I was just like, what? Because I'm like two months sober. I, like, I thought you'd get here and you never want to drink again. I still didn't like grasp this concept of a daily reprieve one day at a time. Um, and he went on to talk about why he wanted to drink and what the fuck was going on. And it was super illuminating. And ever since that, it was, it was, it left such an impression on me that we don't come here, get well and stay well. We get, we come here, we get sober and we learn to deal with life without having to take drugs or alcohol to experience the rest of our life, the good and the bad. And for him that day, there, there was some heavy shit going on for him. Um, but for me, throughout my sobriety, I've had moments where I want to celebrate. Like good things are happening. And beer might be good. Or I'm on a business trip and I just want, you know, I just want a deal or something. And I'm alone and no one will know. If I just have one shot, um, that is where it sneaks in and you get that mental fucking obsession, right? Where I was alone at dinner one night in um, a place they don't speak English and I didn't speak the language and I had one of these moments where I had a nice win and I sit down, it's a steakhouse and I sit down before they give me a menu, they like set a, a, a little shot in front of me. It's clear liquid and don't say, take it away. I just look at it and kind of smile in my head like, Oh fuck. And I get the menu. I order, I eat the whole time looking at that. It's like my fucking date. <laughs> uh, just like barely get through dinner. I go to my hotel room. I make a phone call. I'm like, holy shit, you'll never guess. And blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, kind of spew out to another alcoholic. And I go, to the, I go to the same place for dinner the next night. And they do the same fucking thing. And I still don't tell them. Like, to me... It, that is alcoholism. And it, I can suffer from the characteristics of alcoholism and being mentally obsessed with alcohol to the point where 
it drives me completely insane. And I'm grateful that I made it through those experiences without drinking. And I don't think I could have made it through without a phone call uh, or doing or having had done the steps and having tools and like praying and, and calling another alcoholic. Um, I had this other experience. I don't know why I'm focusing on these stories where I almost drank, but um, in some sense, it's important. Like I, I really think there are times that I will still have this desire to drink, and for the most part, like I really feel that alcohol. I'm in a place of neutral neutrality, like the book has suggested. But there are times where it seems like a good idea, and it it has happened less and less. But in early sobriety, I needed to reach out a lot, and I needed to stay connected to AA. Um, and my sister's wedding. I, it was in France. She married this French guy, and we had two weddings, one in Wisconsin where all my relatives were so drunk they couldn't sit in the chair. And uh, and then France, where they're all like drinking like complete gentlemen and lovely ladies, and there's no fighting. And I'm like, yes, these are my people. I finally arrived. And during the course of dinner, they had like a mid-dinner dessert, which was this sorbet with some sort of grain alcohol on it. And it's just like, again, sitting there, and I'm like, that's a great idea. It looks delicious. I mean, I could just eat the sorbet, right? And like, you just go and like playing like all the fucking mental tricks that the, you know, my disease wants me to consume and I went to the bathroom I got on my knees and I prayed because I didn't have a phone and I was not a guy you know like the previous speaker like I when I came here I wasn't big on God and at that moment I'm like all right I'm gonna give it a go and I got on my knees I went in the bathroom stall and I prayed and I came back and I noticed my sister had, she was rubbing her temples. And I said, oh, are you okay? She said, oh, I have a headache. And I said, oh, you want some aspirin? I'll get you some aspirin. And I left the, the dinner and went to the hotel room, found some aspirin and came back. When I came back, the, the, the little sorbet thing was gone. Gave her the, the aspirin. And I sat down and re- that is when the obsession was lifted. Where I was able to do something of use for someone else to become useful and and give back. That's when the mental obsession was completely re- lifted. And to me, that's that short story is a that's AA. Like I come here, I feel like shit. I've done a lot of shameful things. I have low self esteem. I can't. I drink to, to cover up all that stuff. Um, and I go through the steps. And I, I do my best to clean up the past. I realize where my character defaults are or character defects are. I work with another alcoholic to get through them. I realize where I need to make amends in the past. And doing that process, I start to feel like I'm useful again. And that, to me, is really important because I am a selfish motherfucker and if I don't get out of myself um, I'm a host man I 
I will end up drinking if I am only this self-serving, selfish guy. And I don't know how to do that on my own. I need I need a program, I need a sponsor, and I need friends where I'm accountable to that I can show up and be of use to others. And A has really given me that. I think this is a great practice game inside the rooms. Like we get to become we get service commitments. I mean, I don't know if they still have the cigarette. But thing, their commitment, or I guess you can't smoke here, so whatever, your sweetie, your coffee person, or cleanup person, whatever, like, we have some use immediately when we come to AA. And the great thing about that is I don't have to be recovered or happy to be of use. I can be in total fucking pain and still be of use to people around me. Um, when I was out drinking... There's no way I could be in pain and still give back to a community at all. Um, the 20 minute sign says, said get sober, which I guess I'm sober, but I've been telling a lot of weird stories about how I wanted to drink in sobriety, so maybe we should move beyond that. Um, <laughs> I do want to say I I have an awesome life and I don't wake up every day with this crazy mental exception and because I haven't put alcohol in my body I don't have this this phenomenon of craving and I'm really really grateful for that um I spent years, I don't know, five years really dry in AA. Um, and doing the minimum, I would show up to one meeting a week, if that, maybe less. And I would go there and I would bitch about the same topic. I wouldn't talk about recovery. I would just bitch about my problems. And the dudes around me all kind of nodded their heads and keep coming back. And it went on for years. And, you know, I ruined a few marriages. And um, became that selfish, self-righteous guy sober. And got to a place where I was really in a lot of pain. And not having booze or alcohol to relieve that pain, um, I just was angry. They, they would call me Bitter Joel for years, um, which is funny now, but it wasn't then. Um, maybe to other people. But, um, And, in, you know, what happened, life got so bad that I really threw myself back into AA. And what that looked like was getting a service commitment, becoming secretary, getting involved, making coffee again, and doing all the things that I did early on. Um, 
going back and then going through the steps and making amends for stuff that you did while you're sober was so painful. The first time I did amends where I'm like, oh, I was drunk and I hurt you. And like, it's kind of expected. I was a drunken asshole. Like, was this a tornado in everyone's life? That isn't okay, but it's easier to do in some ways than being sober and creating a ton of pain um, and having to go back and make amends for that. That was very illuminating. Nothing shined a spotlight on my character defects more. And, you know, I, even, even today, I want to say, oh, I'm grateful for, the, for that experience, but um, I don't think a lot of, I don't want, my involvement in AA today really stems around this idea that I don't want to become what I was and I don't want to make amends again. It was really, really uncomfortable. Um, and now that doesn't mean that I don't screw up. I screwed up yesterday with my wife. and um, But I think it's easier to, to sort of nip these things in the bud instead of acting like an asshole for five years. I can act like an asshole for five minutes and make amends immediately and be like, all right, uh, you were right, and move on. Um, one of the gifts, so there are so many gifts that A has given. Um, and one of the things that I've been, let me just say this, I drank to take away the pain of existence. Like, and I would joke about that with a friend when I was active, we were like, oh, we're you know taking away the pain, a little bit, taking a little bit off the, the pain of life. But really, in in sobriety, I've come to realize that that it was a symptom. Like the pain was the real deal, and the booze relieved me of that pain. And not having that, and still having to deal with with life, the good and the bad, without booze, is really still central to my life. Um, and like, I know I talked about walking through life and not having to drink and having these experiences where I want to drink. But my goal is really to be in this place where it's, I'm just, alcohol is no big deal. I can see it and it's not something I'm afraid of. And it's not something that I crave. Um, I wish I could say that I could that I came to this place just on my own, but I really couldn't do it alone. And sponsorship's been important to me, and sponsoring other guys. I I just picked up a, a new sponsee uh, two weeks ago, and we were sitting down last week and. It just felt so good to hear another guy and connect with another guy who's new in sobriety again and just share my experience with another person. Try not to give advice. Just be there, listen, and, sh and show them what I did. Um, the steps completely changed my life. And I have had cash and prizes, and the cash and prizes have gone, and then the cash and prizes have come back. But this 
feeling that I don't have to take away the pain of existence, that I'm okay with who I am, the good and the bad, the guy who makes mistakes, the guy who is generous. Um, that's a wonderful feeling that I just never had while drinking. Um, and I, I couldn't do it alone. And I had uh, early... Early a few months ago, uh, a woman who was my best friend in early sobriety, we were inseparable. There was a group of three of us that did everything together. They, they pulled me into this icky paw bit. I didn't want anything to do with young people's AA, and it confused the fuck out of me. But they really got me involved and got me in the center of AA. Uh, she killed herself a few months ago, and it really, it really fucked me up because there was this, I don't know, guilt and sorrow and sadness and all those emotions that I hadn't experienced that intense in sobriety. And going to meetings and talking about it didn't really do much for me. Um, talking with my sponsor also didn't do that much. Um, I was on the phone a lot with the, the third person in that group and we were just struggling through it together. And I think, you know, one alcoholic talking to another, whether it's dealing with immense loss and sadness or it's talking about, um, how not to pick up today, um, how to deal with the meth head who lives next door. But that one-on-one -on -one has been super helpful to me. And I have gotten this, I often whine to my, my sponsors and tell them how awful I have it, which is a lie. I have it, it my life is awesome, but I like to pretend that or delude myself that it's awful. And, um, My first sponsor would often say, I would ask him, why am I going through this hardship? And he'd say, well, you're going through it, so when someone else in the future does, you'll be there to walk them in the side. No, just tell me that I have the right to be mad, or yeah, just give me that justification to like be angry or or the justification to act out. But that is true. We all had these unique experiences. We, I was at a meeting this morning, and we read uh, beginning of, or the end of working with others, and, no, end of interaction, beginning of working with others. And there was a passage in there about we all have our unique experiences that allows us to really connect with another alcoholic. And... It's that connection that's so special. Um, not everyone has a similar story than I do. And actually, who knows what my story is, because I just fucking came up here and rambled for 40 minutes. But, um, but the people who have caught on to one or two things or have had a similar experience, like we can connect at a deeper level, and we can be there for one another. And, and I have some wonderful friends that 
have been there for me when I'm losing my mind and I'm able to show up for them when they're losing theirs. Um, I didn't have that before AA and my friends that I, the people I drank with, it's hard to call them friends. Um, no one was throwing me parties when I moved away. No one was, you know, celebrating my joys. Uh, and no one really fucking cared when I was going through a hard time. Um, that's probably because I stole from them and took their drugs and you know, pissed on their shoes and all that. But, but even here, I can fuck up in friendships and people, we can make it right and we can still be there for one another. Um, this idea that we can get sober and become useful, useful and contribute uh, back to the community is only possible through the steps. And to me, taking someone through the steps now is one of the biggest gifts that I get in this program. Um, seeing people grow because they're doing the work and watching them get to the point where then they can give back is, is truly amazing. And I wouldn't want to miss that. And I wouldn't want to continue experience. I want to continue experiencing that. Um, where I am today with my program, um, I go to one or two meetings a week. I've been traveling a lot for work. And I try to show up every Saturday. And the, the mode I'm in right now, I'm sort of going to tell myself a little bit. So the mode I'm in now is I... I don't get to Tuesday to my home group and I show up to Saturday and I want to see my friends. So I just go up and I talk to my friends and what happens is I don't talk to the new guy and I don't talk to the person who's going through a hard time. And, and then I go out to lunch with my friends and I miss the essence and I really need to, you know, my friends will, it's great, but, the main thing is to talk to the new the new person, um, to reach out and at least give them a, a phone number, shake their hand, welcome them. And <clears throat> I need to do that more and more because I'm just feeling removed from my fellowship. And then when I show up, I just want to hang out with the people I know. And I really need to me, if, if people didn't reach out to me, I wouldn't be here today. Um, I feel like I'm just kind of rambling all over the place. So I'm just going to end right there. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.